Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss Campbell fighting Dodo Birds and Leaky Black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. You always have consent. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and knock that out as well. All right, Deadleg, the deadline for underclassmen to withdraw from the 2022 NBA draft and return to school has passed. Thank God. And the biggest name to announce at the deadline that he is returning to school is Gonzaga's Drew Timmy. Unsurprisingly, uh, he announced a return to Gonzaga, but still, uh, big news. By the way, Julian Strother, also not really a surprise, he announced he's returning to Gonzaga. So the Zags are now returning six of the top eight scores from a team that finished number one at Ken Palm. Here's the question. Should I have moved the Zags to number one in the top 25 and what if you were the author of the top 25 and one and maybe someday you will be <laughs> maybe someday you will be if you were would you have moved where would you have the zags ranked right now in the preseason i've been i'm the uh i'm the annually once a year author of the top 357 and one that's what i am <laughs> so uh, i eventually will have a team that i'll put number one once we get to the preseason uh all right so i think i brought this up on a pod a couple weeks ago i remember palmer we talked about this very thing so but since you're asking me i'm pomeroy said uh, listen there's so much interesting uh case so many interesting cases for teams that could be number one and i'm, I'm already seeing you know a little bit too much homogeny with uh with preseason rankings here so with that in mind uh by the way, Pomeroy tipped his hand, uh, I think, in the past 48 hours by saying that uh, if Timmy were to come back, uh, Gonzaga should be the number one team. So, Gonzaga, much and they have been the number one team in that metric for most of the past two seasons going on three seasons. Uh, so, with that being said, what if we find out that there's just a flaw in his algorithm that always has Gonzaga number one and they're not really the best team in the country? It's just something in there's just something oh, wrong in there. What if that, what if? You ever thought about that? That used to be a Wisconsin deal. This is really for the nerdy set. But yes, about 10 years ago, he actually, I'm almost positive this is the case. He had to tweak uh, the old algo so that Wisconsin wasn't, you know, just finding its way into the top 10 year after year after year when, uh, when you know, some of the results might not have dictated that to be the case there. But anyway, yeah, I know. what it, Maybe, maybe Palmer has got in the bag for Gonzaga. But then again, Many predictive metrics have done it, so it's not just it's not just him. With all of that as prelude, I would recommend you don't put Gonzaga number one. Uh, one, I think it's good to have disagreement at the top of the preseason rankings, no matter where they come from. Um, websites, you know, national AP poll, coaches poll, metrics, all that. I, I think it's good to disagree. Okay, I like to see a variety of different teams occupying the very top spot. Obviously, and quite clearly, Gonzaga has a good case, a very good case. Rasheer Bolton is also coming back uh, in addition to Strother and Timmy. And when you take all that into account, plus, there, you know, there's plenty of buzz that, the you know, Malachi Smith, 
uh, SoCon Player of the Year out of Chattanooga is is a lean to go to Gonzaga, and if that were to happen, yeah, they'd be they'd be fully stocked again, and they would they would certainly have a case. But I, I I'd say just put them in the top three to four. It's a safe bet there. They'll probably occupy that and predict the metrics for most of the season. And Timmy, I'll get to Timmy in a second, but we'll stick to Gonzaga overall. Big news. And I think it's hard to make the case against them that they shouldn't be in the top three, considering everything that's coming back. I have them fourth. Um, oh, okay. I actually didn't know. I was wondering, I, by that, I thought you said you were moving them up. All right, so you got them fourth. No, okay. well, here's the problem, you know, because I started getting tweets last night. You know, Drew Timmy's back at Gonzaga. Time to update the top 25 and one. I have, and we're up to version 13.0, by the way. Halfway but home. Since... Maybe, but since version 1.0, I have had Drew Timmy and Julian Strother projected back to Gonzaga. It's funny. I would get these tweets um, for the past couple of months now, and every time it was like, why do you have Gonzaga in the top five? Who are they bringing back? And I'm like, just because Drew Timmy and Julian Strother are in the NBA draft doesn't mean they're going to stay in the NBA draft. In fact, I don't believe either one of them will stay in the NBA draft. And so here we are. Rashir Bolton was a surprise because he had indicated or his father had indicated, perhaps both, that they were done with college. And so that um, combined with Jalen Williams officially leaving Arkansas uh, pushed me to move Gonzaga ahead of Arkansas. Um, But, you know, I, I still got North Carolina one, Houston two, Kentucky three, Gonzaga four. And, you know, there are going to be some people. I think the computers, Bartorovic, Ken Palm, will have Gonzaga one. Um, uh, there will be some rankings, human rankings, that have Gonzaga one. And it's totally reasonable. But if you want me to counter-argue it, they did lose two of their top three scores in Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nimhard. And it's not like they're bringing in some impactful, obviously impactful people uh, you know, at that level. You know, the year before when they lost players, it was like, but they're bringing in Chet Holmgren. The year before that, when they lost players, it was like, but they're bringing in Andrew Nimhard. Um, they're not bringing in that level of guy right now. Now, they could. You know, the transfer portal was still filled with talented guys. And you mentioned uh, one, you know, Malachi Smith, who would obviously be a, an impactful guy. But as of right now, you know, I, I, I'm just going to put Gonzaga at four. I, I think they belong in everybody's top five but closer to five than one. And you know what? If they add, and I think they will, big pieces, then, you know, version 14.0 is just right around the corner. I can update then. But for now, North Carolina one, Houston two, Kentucky three, Gonzaga four, and Arkansas five. Uh, I like uh, Hickman to take a big jump next season, and we could get to the middle of next season and, and see that he is maybe not quite Nemard, but I, I actually believe in him and his growth and his ability and that program's done a pretty good job at developing players there. So we'll, so we'll see uh, point well taken. Can we talk to coming back though? And everything that I was tied to, first of all, uh, I was, I was kind of poking around on this this week and trying to get a feel and uh, a couple things on Timmy one. I don't know if this is true or not, but I did have a front office executive tell me earlier this week that the buzz in NBA circles is that, Gonzaga backers were trying to rally about $2 million to get Timmy to come back in NIL money. So, and that would be, I was told that would be close to what Holmgren made last season, was told Holmgren made more than a million in NIL 
uh, last season. So completely, hey, go get go get the bag without a doubt. But there was uh, there was a real 50-50 vibe. I know you always had him coming back, uh, but there was a real 50-50, 55-45 vibe of whether or not he would return or not. Man, do I love this decision. We've got so many good players coming back to college basketball. It's fantastic. And Timmy is at the top of the list. Now, Sheboy is the reigning national player of the year, but Timmy has been playing for a relevant team that gets one seeds and has been very good for three straight seasons. The way this out, he was not technically the last one, but he was the last big one. He took it to the end. And then the way that he did this, you know, I, I checked in. I checked in with uh, Gonzaga's SID, Barrett Henderson, who does a wonderful job. I checked in with him late on Wednesday. I was like, you know, do you have any, like, we think this is word in, like, you know, he's like, I'm, <laughs> dude, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. He didn't know, which is fair. That's, you know, sometimes they might, because, you know, these teams, they got graphics people, they want to have something lined up. This is so true to me. First, you know, he just simply sends out a tweet that says, I'm back. Like, it's not even grammatically correct it's just there there's no graphic there's no statement there's no ig video there's no narrated thing for 75 seconds about here's my dream or whatever no music playing it's just true to me being like i'm back well isn't that the michael jordan thing isn't that what that is it is now i don't know now i i put that upon him like in 95 jordan came back there was a there was a, a fax and a memo sent out through his agent uh, the agent kind of, you know, David Fall kind of did a huge intro, if you will, or like a four or five sentence intro. And then at the bottom, it just said, Jordan said, I'm back. This was just Timmy just saying, I'm back. Now, technically, uh, Sham Sharania broke this, I don't know, three, four minutes before he he technically announced it. So I even more so, I'd like to believe that Timmy wanted to do this at 1159 Eastern, but then someone broke the news and he was like, whatever, I'll just send out this tweet. That's all I need. It's just so vintage drew timmy i wanted a razor involved in some way with this decision no matter which way it went but college hoops just got you know it got a nice boost timmy's good for the sport he's 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 become polarizing i find his game entertaining as hell he can he can timmy stash on on folks left and right i don't care gp uh he will be in the running for national player of the year again he was last year's oh oh by the way he was the preseason pick and Near unanimous preseason pick for national player of the year heading into last season. This year, you know, you could take Shibway, you could take Armando Baycott, you could take Timmy. If you want to get adventurous, you could take someone else. But we've got uh, some real familiar players coming back, all all bigs, and and that's understandable with why they're doing it. But um, but I love this. He's got a real chance. I feel like this will be something we talk about into next season a lot. If Timmy, like if if Drew Timmy comes back and he averages, which is, this is completely reasonable. Let's say Timmy averages 21, 10, and, you know, shoots 50% from the field. Like, he will, he will not only, he's already a Gonzaga legend, but he has a chance to be one of the more memorable college basketball players of this century. As, by virtue of playing for four years at a relevant program that's always good, that'll be seated highly in the tournament. The numbers will be there. The production will be there. We'll see how Gonzaga can do in the tournament, but... Great, great college story. I love this stuff, GP. He's been a All-American twice, and I think his numbers will be better next season than they've ever been. A, because he'll be better than he's ever been. B, he's not going to be sharing a front court with Chet Holmgren. And I know that he didn't really share the front. Like Chet was out on the perimeter a lot. But, you know, if you're wondering why 
you know, his rebounding numbers went down slightly. Um, his production went down slightly. Some of that was, you know, he had another awesome front court player um, playing with him. And, uh, you know, as of this moment, it doesn't appear they're going to have another Chet Holmgren type presence in the front court uh, with Drew Timmy. So I, I think his number, his, his minutes per game probably go up. He's averaged right around 28 um, the last couple of seasons. I, I could see them going up just a little bit. And I think pr- from a production standpoint, he'll be as good as he's ever been, better than he's ever been. And I would think that his game will evolve a little bit. Like you don't want Drew Timmy um, away from the rim too much because he's so awesome, like catching it on the block and at the elbow and, you know, making plays from there. But there were, you know, at the combine, he did shoot it from the perimeter way more often than he shoots it at Gonzaga. And I wonder if that wasn't uh, a discussion that was had about coming back to school. Like, can I do some other things? Can I, um, you know, because that, that is what he's going to have to be a power forward in the NBA if he's going to play in the NBA. And that position, you are required basically now to, to shoot, to at least be a three-point threat. And I, I won't be surprised if he wants to show that a little bit, um, you know, uh, in his fourth season of college basketball. And, um, you know, I, I think I'll be surprised if he doesn't. So he, he'll be, uh, he, he'll be, he'll be terrific, but you know, like, like I said earlier, I always expected him to come back and it's not because, you know, I can't leave before I win a national championship or I just love Gonzaga so much. I'm sure all of that stuff registers in some ways, but as I wrote last week, when we did the dribble handoff about which players should come back to school, withdraw from the NBA draft, you know, I led that with Drew Timmy. And for me, it just came down to option A and option B and option A coming back to Gonzaga far outweighed option B. Like I wrote, if Nigel Pack is worth $400,000 to somebody, Drew Timmy's got to be at least three times worth that, perhaps more. And as you point out, um, it looks like possibly more. So you're choosing between being the best player on your team, arguably the best player in the country, for one of the best teams in the country, playing impact arenas on national television, getting big numbers, being a star of the sport, chartering every flight you take, staying in nice hotels. That's option A. And option B was, eh, we'll see. You know, is it a two-way contract? Is it split in time between the G League and the NBA? Even if he is drafted 47th and is on an NBA roster, you know what? He doesn't play. He's not playing. That's not fun. So if you can make more money being a star of college basketball than you can being a bench warmer at best in the NBA, then what are we even talking about? Like, why do you even have to take it to the deadline? To me, he had maybe the easiest decision of anybody in the sport right there with Oscar Shibwe. Good case there. I like that he stretched out the drama. Part of me was rooting for him to go to literally 1159, uh, but he stopped just short of that. Credit to Rush the Court, who tweeted this. I saw this. Um, I did not fact check this. I'm going to take Rush the Court's word for it. Wow. Uh, they said Drew Timmy, if he were to be a consensus All-American again next season, so he was, uh, he was a consensus All-American the past two seasons, um, first or second team, I guess. If he did it again, first or second team, I think that's per AP All-American, which is what like officially registers. Although he was a first-teamer with us 
the past two seasons. CBS Sports, Timmy was a first-team All-American the past two seasons. If he does it, though, for a third time as a consensus receiver, which means across the board, you're on every ballot, here are the players that – I won't even trivia time you. Here are, the, here are the players that have done it in the 2000s. Luke Herringoti. How about that? Herringoti. <laughs> ready for that? Uh, Tyler Hansborough, of course. Mateen Cleaves did it. And the other person to do it, and he's the most recent instance of this, is Doug McDermott at Creighton. So um, now, uh, you know, the function of this is that if you're really, really awesome in college, you're going to get consideration to be an All-American. But if you're really, really awesome, there's a good chance that you're good enough to go and chase your NBA dream. So doing it for three years is not an easy thing. Um, we understand why this is the case there. But nonetheless, kind of speaks to what I mentioned a few minutes ago. Like he's got a real chance here to be among the more recognized uh, famous college players um, in modern history, for sure, particularly if Gonzaga is a top five team, again, gets a one seed, can again make it to the second weekend minimally, let alone a final four. The thing about Drew Timmy leads Gonzaga to a final. I'm not even saying they got to win the title, but if they did, then forget about it. It's all over. That's all she wrote without a doubt. But even like another final four appearance, there's a lot uh, that stands to uh, that he stands to gain from. Last thing for me on this, and I don't make a habit of like pointing out like Rando's tweets and stuff. I just have to mention this because this made me, I was, cackling last night um i tweeted that timmy was channeling mj by just tweeting i'm back that's it i'm back <laughs> shouts to at pure irish gal guarantee this person was not born before 95 so I was saying the statement it was what jordan's use comparing drew timmy to michael jordan is literally blasphemy one puts a team on his back and refuses to lose the other is drew timmy do you <laughs> think i was actually comparing the two as players Come on, people. I mean, I, I still Come get this. On. Oh, I hate. People. I was laughing at that. Though. I was like, oh, this person has no idea the reference I was making. Just and absolutely none. None people, at all. People are the worst, man. None at all. Aren't people the worst? How dare you compare Drew Timmy to Michael Jordan? I wasn't. It was just. Dude, a I still get this all the time, even though I've explained it 50,000 times. I can't believe this ball headed guy's comparing Chet Holmgren to Luka Doncic. I'm not. I never have. I just said that the for reason Luka was misevaluated for similar reasons to the reasons Chet Holmgren might be misevaluated. That's it. I've never compared them as players. I've never compared them as people. I've never compared them in any way other than to say people watch Luka Doncic in Europe, acknowledged he was awesome. He's doing unprecedented things, but they were worried about his body, his first step, his athleticism, all these things that had never prevented him from being great, but might prevent him from being great in the NBA. And people missed on him. Same thing is happening right now with Chet Holmgren. He was, he's, he's got these things with his body that have never prevented him from being great, but they could theoretically can prevent him from being great in the NBA. We'll see. That's the comparison. But I swear you can go look at the Chet Holmgren breakdown. It's like in the comments. I can't believe, like, I can't believe this guy's comparing Chet Holmgren to Luke Dodger. Does he even watch basketball? Truth is, I don't. I don't watch basketball. Uh, we're gonna make accurate comparisons. Drew Timmy obviously clearly brings to, and our our editor Audie Joseph loves my comparisons. He was, uh, I think he was saying Drew <laughs> Drew Timmy. Uh, what was it, Drew Timmy and Magic Johnson? That's that's really what we look for here. That. Anyway, Timmy's back. Right. And the others that we can get to. And, and you, you mentioned you mentioned uh the other guys that have been three time All Americans. 
like, let's run through it again. Luke Heron Gody, Tyler Hansborough, Doug Cleaves McDermott. And McDermott. That's since the since 2000. Yeah. Okay. So three of those guys got one obvious thing in common. But the other thing they all have in common. What's that wonder, thing, Parrish? What's the thing in common? They look like Chet Holmgren and Luka Doncic. <laughs> but the other thing they have in common is that they're great college players who aren't obviously ideal NBA prospects. I wonder if coaches should recruit to that. Like when you go out and recruit Case and Wallace, you know you're getting something that's great that's going to probably be there for one year, right? Hard, it's but Parrish, it's hard yes, to do. I should, but it's hard because when you're sitting in a gym and you're watching a guy who's clearly awesome and that guy's saying, I'm interested in your school, you're going to be like, I just, you want the. No, I get it. I'm not saying don't take Case and Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, not actually, you might, uh, <laughs> oh, that'll be the new comment. Come and get him. I can't go. believe this guy said you shouldn't recruit Case and Wallace. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't recruit players like Case and Wallace. I'm just saying, I wonder if there wouldn't be um, some intelligence to, if it wouldn't be smart to go, who's the best prospect in the country who looks like he'll be awesome in college, but like is a undersized front court player or an incredible point guard, but doesn't have ideal, uh, you know, uh, athleticism. Like, is there, who is that guy? Cause that guy's going to have to stay, probably have to stay in school for a while and boy if you get those kind of guys in school for three or four years well that's how you get the drew timmies and the tyler hansboroughs and the mateen cleaves so on and so forth i don't know it's just something i've wondered about yeah tough to forecast and then you gotta hope they don't go in the transfer portal but point well taken um all right so last night you tweeted uh, a possible preseason all-american team this was way off the top of my head but yes continue a lot of big men. I, mean I mean, it's not going to be my ballot, but I was just saying, yeah. like, oh, yeah, we got these. Here's some dudes. Go so ahead. this this is where you and I uh, differ on this. And I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong or because, like, there's no perfect way to do this. I, I like All-American teams to look like real teams. Like, you, could you put this team on – could you reasonably put this team on the court and play a game? You just – I don't want to speak for you, but, like, who's the best five players in the country? That's my first team All-American. So – Run us through what you had, and then I'll try to adjust to add some smaller players who can dribble. Okay. Because you're going to need somebody to dribble. Well, I know it's not, it's not, not a gonna, real team. You're not going to believe this team. But before we get to that, how about this throwback? First, check this out. Oh, wow. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, 
technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Boom. Okay, there we go. That's right. Like to mix it up, change it up a little bit. Here we go. Got, got dead leg throw into the spots now. What do you what do you even need me for? <laughs> well, I didn't I, know if you knew it was coming. Get so. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so well, why not? Why not? Okay, so so last night, Wednesday, hmm. potential preseason first team all American squad. Okay. Sheboy, obviously. Timmy, obviously. Baycott, obviously. Then you got two that I think are up for debate. Those are going, those three guys are going to be on. I'm, I'm a believer in Trace Jackson Davis as a get it done. Awesome college player. There's a reason why he was not able to go to the NBA. There's clearly stuff with his game that needs to be expanded on the offensive end, but I love it. I will probably put trace on my preseason first team. Yeah, that's four picks. And then I wanted to mix in a guard there. I was like, well, what guard would fit? Kendrick Davis, certainly he's an opportunity to do it. Marcus Sasser was really, really good. So I went with I went with Sasser there. Now I think, and we'll get to some other guys that came back. I got I got refreshers on who's going, who's staying. So we can fill you in here as the as the ep goes on. But as it pertains to a potential first preseason preseason first team AA squad, I think your issue is that I've got, well, I've got Sheboy, Timmy, Baycott, and Jackson Davis. They all play essentially the same position. Now, go ahead and make your case, but what what I will reiterate what I've said before. Again, I just want like the five best players. This team is never going to play on the court together. They're never going to play another team. They're not going to have to be coached. We don't have to put them on a squad. They're not going to wear the same uniforms. I just want five really, really awesome players. Yeah, usually get in at least one position. So at least one guard or not five guards, at least one big. That's all I care about. But they're not actually going to ever play together. So I don't care about having like two guards and a big and a wing. I don't care about that. I do. I care about that deeply. But they aren't going to play anyone. Still, what like, bothers even- me is when you have a first team like the Pac-12 does and it's 10 dudes. Well, that's no. outrageous. Five guys. Five. Five. Five guys. First team's five guys. I hate that. And here's the whatever conference, first team, all conference. It's eight guys. What are we doing? What are we doing? Ridiculous. It's outrageous. I um, like the way the NBA does it. You know, you can't just take five centers or five guards. You got to actually make it sensible from a position perspective. But, dude, what? and what just happened this year? I don't have any and idea. You, <laughs> and you, you get tell, guys. You tell me. Not a chime in. You're going to know this better than us off the top of our head. Did not, did you can only have like Jokic made it first team. So Embiid's not on it. Am I right on that? Nada. Embiid is not on it. He made second team. Um, because you have NBA. to have one center. Thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nada. Sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe he, <laughs> is he done? Did he die? Is it over? Is it over for him? Nada, are you there? I'm there. I'm I'm here. For some reason, my my internet is is tripping. But the thing is, they wanted Jokic to be a forward too. So some ballots did have Jokic as the forward as well. So there there are ways to get around this. But it's ridiculous. Like these, okay. these rules that they that they you know they they box themselves into prevents like. Joel Embiid is not a first team All American because you know the NBA and GP think you got to have. Uh, Position well, that's, well, that's ridiculous. And well, one of the five best players in the league, and he wasn't NBA first team. I would, I would argue, there's got to be some something in between what you're doing and what they're doing, which is you want to have two traditional bigs. That's fine, 
Like, you know, you could have Jokic and Embiid. They could theoretically play together. I'm not sure how well it would work in the modern NBA, but they could theoretically play together with, a you know, three guards or two guards and a wing or whatever. Anyway, here's what I would go with. I, d- I think you're right, Marcus Sasser. If you got to pick a guard, that's where you pick. Preseason top five team, and people forget because he got hurt last season, but go look at what he was doing before he got hurt. He was performing like a first-team All-American. He was awesome. So I would go Marcus Sasser. And, yes, I've got Baycott, Timmy, Shibwe. And I know that that stretches you what I'm trying to can't play those three together. So I again, can do whatever I, I could. Argument, but, yes, well, I, you have to have them all on the first team. I, I, I'm, I, I acknowledge I'm stretching everything I've been arguing Run an for. Offense, run an offense with those three bigs, it'd be amazing to watch. Well, we would, we would, have, we would have the new and improved Drew Timmy out on the wing shooting threes. I don't know how he would guard out there. In fact, actually, I do. I know yeah. exactly how he would guard out there. Yeah. I, have, I know exactly how that would work out. Whatever. It's hard not to, I acknowledge, have a first team without those three guys on it. It's unfortunate. We've talked about this before. I think I'll write about this next week. Um, I, it's not a coincidence that all these great bigs are back. It's because they're not valued in the NBA. So that's why the bigs are back. Because in the NBA, Armando Baycott is an awesome college player. Eh, I don't know how it's going to work in the NBA. Same thing for Drew Timmy. Same thing for Oscar Shibway. So let's just go there. Now I got to pick two guards. I think Marcus Sasser is one of them. And what I want to do with the other one is I'm looking for who's going to be a great guard on a great team. Nick Smith, Arkansas. Maybe just unproven, but yes, maybe that's where I would go. I think Nick Smith at Arkansas. Um, Last time Arkansas had a preseason first team, all American Corliss. Has anyone done it since? I don't know. I'm, I don't know the answer. I'm yeah. just asking aloud. Hawks fans. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I, nothing stands out. I mean, the first thing that popped into my head was Bobby Portis. But I don't feel like he was preseason first teamer. No yeah. way. I feel yeah, like he actually got better, came on, and became a became kind of a late bloomer draft pick. But yeah, yeah. So some other options: Keontae George at Baylor. I'm do, I'm looking at a lot of freshmen. Keontae George at Baylor. Amari Bailey, of course, Ooh, at UCLA. Kaysen Wallace at, at Kentucky. Uh, you know that's not invalid after this conversation twenty minutes ago. Continue. <laughs> here's a good one mike miles tcu sleeper pick third team at best he's good but he can't go first team yeah TCU, like, by the way whew. yeah you know they got damian ball back mm-hmm. at, at the deadline um he had previously it was reported that he was gonna stay in the nba draft so i updated the top 25 and one dropped tcu down a few spots and then he announced, never mind, I'm coming back. So now TCU's returning, you know, the top six scores from a team that finished 26th at Ken Bomb. And I moved them back up to 14th. I've got them 14th at the top 25 and one. I guess this is a good place to sort of uh, talk about other decisions at the, at the deadline that um, impacted the top 25 and one. And by extension, um, the, the, the college basketball landscape, the real loser, I think, in the final days, probably Michigan, because they lose Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate. Yeah. And those are two guys that you bring both of them back. I think Michigan's maybe a preseason top 10 team and probably the favorite in the Big Ten. Uh, you lose them both. And 
you know, now Michigan's like, you know, they bring back Hunter Dickinson, obviously. They lose a lot. The biggie. Not on our first team All-America. He would be a second teamer, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, they they bring him back for the same reasons. UNC's bringing back Baycott. Gonzaga's bringing back Timmy. Kentucky's bringing back Shibway. Um, you know, I, I love Jed Howard, uh, Juwan's son, who is enrolling. Yes. But now, I, you know, I've dropped Michigan down to 18th. I mean, that's a, that's a team that could have been preseason top 10, but they lose two guys that I think Houston could maybe go bottom of the first round, but both those guys could go in the second round. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. The top of the sport is often impacted by those types of decisions. What reasonable NBA prospects did you get to come back to school? Kansas, great example last season. They get Ochai Abadji back. He could have reasonably stayed in the NBA draft, probably been a second-round pick. Comes back to school, national championship. Um, Michigan, you could have reasonably brought those two guys back. Instead, they stay in the draft, and they'll still be good, but I think Indiana is probably the favorite in the Big Ten now. Uh, Michigan, you know, slotted somewhere after that, along with uh, Purdue, Ohio State, Michigan State probably. Um. Yeah, Michigan's a big loser. Uh, I think. Okay, how about this? The schools that were hurt the most by the decision by players not to return. So I would say, like Michigan was hurt, but Colorado State's a bigger loser because wow. by not having David Roddy, who decided to stay in, you know, he announced his decision twelve hours until the deadline. Um, him leaving Colorado State removes the Rams from consideration for potential preseason top 25 status. I still think Colorado state will be good, but now in that conference, like maybe Wyoming one, San Diego state two, then you get to Colorado state. Maybe whereas if Roddy was there, I would have had CSU best. Well, well, I had Colorado state 20th in the top 25 and one with David Roddy. That would have been first in the Mountain West conference. And now I dropped him out. You know, he's such a massive uh, player there. And, you know, that's another one where, you know, he could reasonably stay in the draft, which is what he's doing, but could have also reasonably come back to school. You know, and, and when I when I when I label people that way, I usually mean guys that aren't obvious locks to go in the first round. And he was he's you know, he's he's certainly one of those guys. And so you, you get him back, you know, you you could win a conference championship. You lose him. You still might win a conference championship, but you won't be projected to do it now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Arizona was also dinged largely. Now, again, it's it's these are on different, you know, territories, if you will, because Roddy was like 50 50 ish. Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, seen 50 50. Arizona knew that it was losing Matherin and knew that it was losing Christian Coloco. But then it also lost uh, Dalen Terry, lost three really, really good players. We'll see what Tommy Lloyd can do in his second season losing, you know, quality quality pieces on a wildcats team that got you know got a one seed got knocked out by houston uh lloyd you know clearly did better in his first season than people thought but i thought if you're looking at what team actually lost the most underclassmen talent and impact players even if they were expected to go you know you got to consider the likes of duke and then really arizona as well i thought was a was a was a big one there um guys who left in my opinion here here are players how about this? There are 58 picks this year. We're down from two. 
I don't know why it's 58 instead of 60 teams. I got, they obviously that's punishment. They lost. I don't know what the yeah, they were. I think they were cheating in free agency. There you go. There like you they go. were, they were getting I, deals I done before cheating got so rampant that we one year that a draft was just 34 picks. <laughs> 34. The rest of you take a hike. That's what that, that would be interesting to me, but whatever. 58 instead of 60 is abnormal there. Um, with that in mind, there were more than 60 underclassmen who declared, uh, and that doesn't even count the seniors who had the bonus year of COVID eligibility. They just didn't use it. But there were like a lot of players. GP, I think there were close to like 100 players, if not more, that technically went early. Like they could have still returned to college. A lot of these guys won't get picked. Um, I still think there will be guys that don't get drafted that will wind up getting deals after proving themselves in summer league. But just keep that in mind. Like there's, you know, this is going to be an annual thing. It doesn't mean it's terrible or whatever. Some guys are well aware that their chances of being drafted are not that high. They're just going to. Take the advice they're being given, and a couple of these guys, it will actually work out. They will not get drafted. Some people might uh, show some cynicism or dismiss them or mock them on draft night, and then they'll be awesome in summer league. We'll look up in November, and they'll actually be on a roster. So it does happen, but it's not common. Some guys are going to wind up getting squeezed out and living that G League life or going overseas in the next couple of years. That being said, here are the biggest names that left who I think would have just benefited from a year of college, come back, and improve their stock on a related note, I will have a feature on EJ Liddell on this very thing. A year ago, EJ Liddell tested the process, got blunt, honest feedback. He was too heavy. Defense could still improve. Offense absolutely needed some improvement. He listened. EJ Liddell went from a almost certain non-draft pick last year who would have been that fringe, like, doesn't get drafted. Immediately, we want him on our summer league. Let's see what he can do. Now, uh, that's not what he did. He came back, and now E.J. Liddell is like a lock first rounder. Could even go in the top 20 there. Guys who I think could have been similar, um, Trevor Keels, he's not going to go in the top 20. He'll get drafted. I think if Keels had come back to Duke, there would have been a real shot for him to improve his stock. But I get why he left. I actually no, understand yeah, why he but, but he, to me, he's the biggest one. If he would have, yeah. he's probably going to be picked in the 30s or 40s. And he's a guy who, if he comes back and say, shoots 38% from three on four attempts per game as opposed to what he shot this season. Now he's a guy who could go in the top 20. Agreed. But he decided to go. Understood. Um, I just thought if he had come back, man, he would have had a real, real chance. Max Christie of Michigan State, another one. All I right. think if Max Christie had returned and played for Tom Izzo, he would have turned himself into a bona fide top 20 pick. Didn't happen. Diabate in Houston also. I don't know if they would have been top 20 picks. One of them could have been, but they're going to take their chance. By all. I'm not begrudging these players. I'm just giving you, hey, I just think if they'd come back, they would have been they would have been better. Well, How about, well there, there was some thought in recent weeks, like at the Combine, that Houston, Caleb Houston, had gotten some sort of promise, guarantee to shut things down and remain in the NBA draft. I, I I can't speak to whether it's true or not, but that was certainly what some NBA people um, were under the impression of. So if, if he, if he heard what he wanted to hear and got that type of, you know, promise, then, you know, what he's doing is totally sensible. This next player needed to go. I'm not going to disagree with it, but I've gotten interesting feedback in the past couple of weeks about how much of an unknown he still is. Kendall Brown, had he come back, there's a chance he could have developed and been like, there's a belief that had he returned, he could have actually grown into someone where a year from now, it's like Kendall Brown's got to go in the top five. He's not going to do that this year. His, see, I've been told that his 
potential and ceiling is so high, he won't drop below 15. But there's a few teams that aren't going to take a chance on him. He's an interesting case. He should go. Let me be clear on this. But there is I'm, – I'm relaying the opinion of a couple of people at the NBA level who expressed to me that if he had actually gone back to college, he really might have had a chance – to make more money next year. But guys are just simply, and I don't fault him for this. Guys are not going to be like, well, if I go 13 and I make, you know, this, I'm in this bracket for how much I'm going to be paid. Do I want to risk that so that I'm seven a year from now? I get it. Um, that He's, was an interesting one. I learned. No, no. And, and that's correct. The other side of that is come back to school. And what if you're just not that good again? Right. Then the, the chance that you kind of scoot. Yeah. Without like doubt. right now, somebody's going to take him on what they think he can become. But if you do two whatever seasons of college basketball, now they're gonna focus on what, like, what, well, what, what it, this is, is this just what he is? Like a guy that looks the part, measures the right way, but not really a great basketball player. Uh, I, I, if I'm Kendall Brown, I, I think I did exactly, I would have done exactly what he did. Go get paid, because let's just worst case scenario it. You're really not that good. But then let's let's get paid before they figure it out. He is he's going to be an interesting one. I would I would say he is right now ranking in the top three of guys that can slash will go in the top 20 to 25 that there's just the most unknown mystery surrounding him, And teams have has have some hesitation with it. Um, uh, very interesting discussions going on about Kendall Brown right now. Um, but I don't I don't fault him for going. How about this one? I got three more names for you. Hung Jung Lee out of Davidson. Now, I get why he left. He's 22. He's going to be 22 later this year. His shooting numbers dropped. He went from 46% from three to 37.7. He went from 60% from two, minor drop down to 58.4. And then his free throw shooting a year ago, it was 89.8% down to 78.2%. I, I think he's got, you know, a fair chance down the line. We, we look up, he's actually sticking on the roster, really good shooter, just a role player. Um, but he's, he's taken, I think he, the numbers dipped, He's getting older, and he didn't want a chance. And he's not a player that was around. Like, Davidson was a good team, but he wasn't quite as good. Um, I, I believe if he, if he had returned, he had the potential to be really quite good. But he, I think that's an age play more his, than anything. And his, he got talked into, like, you got you to gotta go now. But I actually thought he would have had a chance to really bounce back and be pretty his good. His sophomore good. season, he was a 50-40-90 guy. It, ter- tremendous. It didn't really happen this past year, which is – a bit surprising because really, and I remember, I remember talking with, uh, with Davidson staff um, at the tournament and, and during the season, Foster Lawyer was actually a better distributor for what McKillop runs. And Lee didn't, he was good, but he didn't capitalize the way he did a year before, which was interesting. His name kind of slipped through uh, in terms of guys who are gone. Um, but yeah, he's out. Justin Lewis at Marquette, I don't know what to tell you. I, I feel like if he had come back, he would have really been a dark horse has not even given him enough credit. He could have been a potential big East player of the year. Had he decided to return to and through guy, he's going to take his chance. It's fine. And then the one that I'm like bummed about that I would have just have loved to have seen him play. And the buzz was that if he was going to return Houston, Houston would have been the spot for Kenneth Lofton jr. He's staying in. You get a wide variety of feedback on his draftability, how he projects. Obviously he's a bigger player, um, but he's got a lot of good IQ to him, a lot of efficiency to him. He's going to stick with it. Man, if he had returned to Houston, there'd be a real case for Cougars at one. Oh, yeah. No. Not that there isn't now, but like if he was on Houston, forget about it. That would have been a fascinating 
fascinating team. So, so those are the guys to me that left that I I would have liked to have seen them return just to see what they would have done at the next. Right, level. Kenneth Lofton. Somebody's going to take him uh, on the idea that they can get him in shape. And maybe Kenneth, they can. And, and a Kenneth Lofton Jr. in shape. I mean, he's really skilled. I mean, he's fabulous. He's a great college basketball player. Yes. And if you can, like, the reasons you would hesitate to pick him is because of, I mean, I'm not body shaming here, but, like, we're talking about prospects is because of his body. But um, if you're convinced we can get him in a program with a, a dietitian, with a chef, you know, and all this stuff, and we can, we can change. If you think you could change his body, you've really got something. And, um, you know, perhaps he can play with that body. He, he, he apparently performed well uh, at the combine. So there's a long list of guys. I, I know because of the way Zion has turned out, people like, you know, if that's the way you look, that's the way you're going to look. But that's not true. Go look at Kevin Love in his one season at UCLA. Got Google Kevin Love at UCLA and then Google Kevin Love like last year. It didn't even look like the same guy. So yeah, you, or even like four years out of UCLA, he had he yeah. had really reshaped. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you know, I think more often than Zion's the big story. I think more often guys do change their bodies for the better once they get once they become professionals, and perhaps that's the hope for for Kenneth Lofton. Um, another guy that you haven't mentioned yet, but I had to drop them in the top twenty-five of one because of a deadline day decision. Jules Bernard stayed in the NBA draft. Yeah, uh, left UCLA. And I think I dropped UCLA from like sixth to tenth. Still got him in the top ten, but you know that's a that's a program that lost, you know, guys who could have reasonably come back to school. Jules Bernard, Johnny Juzang, you know, they're not guaranteed first round picks. In fact, they're not first round picks. You get those guys back, the preseason top five team. Now, you know, even at ten, I might have them a little higher than most. Can you refresh the listeners if they're saying, "Well, all right, Bernard's gone, Juzang's gone." If you have it up in front of you. You still have them top 10. So who is coming in for UCLA? We know Amari Bailey. We got it. Woo! Um, who, else is, who will be back in Westwood that you have UCLA as a top 10 outfit? Well, you know, it starts with Hami Haquez and Tiger Campbell, right? That's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are a, a solid, uh, uh, I mean, rock solid at point guard. And Hami Haquez, th- there's another All-American g- guy. You are not wrong. There's a there is a scenario in which he plays himself into that kind of role. He won't be preseason, but he needs to be in consideration for among the 10 to 20 best players in the country. And then, you know, they bring in Amari Bailey, who's the high profile recruit. I believe another five star, a Dimbona. Is is that right? You tell me, my man. I was I was just having you set up UCLA. Yeah, like I think they're going to be good. Let me let me double check where we're at on. GP will double check that as he double checks that a reminder. Here are the non seniors who are gone for good. A lot of these you might be aware of, but some of them kind of, you know, if you, if, if in your mind, you wondered who's gone and who's here's big names that are gone. They're not playing college anymore. Kofi Coburn's not back in Illinois. Christian Brown left Kansas. Walker Kessler. Sia at Auburn. Kennedy Chandler, of course, at Tennessee. AJ Green decided uh, this week that he, he was in the transfer portal thought to be going to Iowa state where his father is. He's done with college. Man, I would have really liked to see him too. I might, I should have added him to the list as well. Juzang's gone. Jake Laravia, right. you know, six weeks ago was thought he would be back at Wake Forest. Tons of, I'm giving, I'm that's Sam Vecini getting Jake Laravia drafted as far as I'm concerned because he has been more in on that guy than anyone. Granted, like NBA people really do see him as viable, but Laravia's gone. Wake Forest had 
two NBA picks on his roster last season and the scheduling didn't in. They didn't make the tournament there. Scotty Pippen Jr. is done with college. We mentioned Roddy. Jaden Shackelford, he's gone from Bama. And then one more, Jalen Williams, who is out at Arkansas, uh, in addition to the Jalen Williams at Santa Clara, who's going to be a top 20 pick now. Uh, Jalen Williams at Arkansas, he has left as well. So those are just some notable names who maybe we didn't mention them on the pod in recent weeks, but I just at least wanted to give them a little bit of attention. They're done. College, yeah. uh, they've left, uh, left the game behind them. And so there we go. All right. Yeah, UCLA. Yeah, yeah, UCLA so they bring back Tiger Campbell, Jaime Hawkins. They, they do enroll two five-star freshmen, Amari Bailey. And a Dean Bona. He's a 6'9 center, uh, top 15. 6'9 uh, center? Drew Timmy situation? It's a Drew Timmy situation. Could be a Mick, Mick knows exactly what he's doing now. Surprise, surprise. Mick figured this out before even I did. Um, you know, rank 15, class of 2022. And then they got another uh, Dylan Andrews, uh, a point guard, top 40 player in the class of 2022. So they got a nice mixture of uh, established veteran guys who have done it and then like high level you know, uh, incoming freshmen, you know, I got UCLA in the top 10, uh, still. And I believe that would make the Bruins my favorite in the pack 12. You mentioned Jalen Williams, Arkansas. This is an interesting one for me. I've got Arkansas fifth. They're bringing back one player, basically. Drop him out of the rankings. Get out of there. No, I, this is what's wild. I've got them fifth, and I'm like, because I believe that like they're they're enrolling two, I mean, uh, four at least four impactful transfers. Um, they're bringing in three five star freshmen, so I. But it's a totally new team. I mean, Devontae Daniels is is like the the only guy who was meaningful last season who is back next season, and I've got them fifth. And I was like, man, am I giving Must too much the benefit of the doubt? Because I, I believe in him and they're back-to-back elite eights and nobody, I don't think, has been better at like taking these pieces and putting them together and making a great team. Nobody's been better at that in recent years than Moss. You know what? I believe in him. I'm going to keep him in the top five even after losing Jalen Williams. I can't go there. Okay, but here's I my point. Just, I don't even know if I'll have him top ten. Not, again, I'm always open to being wrong as hell. So, whatever. But here's my point. Arkansas fans are furious. That they're that they're that low? Yes. Uh, you're out of their minds. They're out of their. You know what? <laughs> they, uh, I got Arkansas fans, nah, and they're nah, like, nah. they're like, oh, you'll learn your lesson someday. Get out <laughs> of, you know what? You go 24 years without making a damn Sweet 16. You make a couple in consecutive seasons, and suddenly, suddenly, you're the best program in the history of the sport. Let's let's just dial it back, Hogs fans. Listen, we love your enthusiasm, and you deserve happiness. After having such a proud program with really good history, you know, one of the the bedrock teams in your conference in the nineties. Well, were, were they in? Uh, were they in the? Um, they were in the whatchamacallit before that? Southwest. There we go. Southwest. Um, in in those two leagues, like you, just really really important history. And then you're just you have nothing to show for it for two decades, right? And then you finally get back, and now you're gonna give my guy grief. For not having him as high as three, two, or one, get out of here. I guarantee you this. I'm not putting Arkansas top five in the one to 358. Ooh, well, well, hey. <laughs> well, 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 they're coming for they're coming for you now. Find me in October. You guys got nothing on Beaver Fever. So Yeah, nice. so yeah. So they bring back Devontae Davis and and like and then they got a bunch of new pieces. And I think they'll be really good. But I thought I was maybe putting them too high at five. And Arkansas fans think, 
I couldn't be more ridiculous to I only enthusiasm to only have them at five. We'll see. We'll we'll see. I, I, I more than anything want to see how Musk handles that new roster situation, and yeah, that will be uh that will be fascinating to see what he uh what he does. There. Musk, by the way, has some good. This is a thing for another time, but since we're bringing it up, I was talking to Musk on the record. I just haven't you know haven't written it. Um, but Musk like hates the calendar the way that it is. Like with uh, and understandably, he's not alone. But between the transfer portal deadline on May one and you know live recruiting events, the fact that he did this, it's it's like genuinely impressive. He's, he was he was kind of going off, and they're they're hoping that they can change the way. And this needs to be changed. You can't have a situation where like these guys are going to the portal, wanting to take official visits on like April twentieth, and coaches are going out on the road recruiting, and it's like. I can't be in two places at once. He was he was making some uh, some good points there. We'll see if they get any movement on that. Every, uh, in, everybody hates everybody hates the calendar. Everyone hates the calendar, but like they and they all trust me. Coaches always want to change it. We'll probably you know back our way into this conversation in July on the recruiting trail. But they have a they have a very good point right now. You can't have the situation where it's April twentieth and you've got these really really good transfers that want to come and visit your campus and at the same time you need to be out on the road to go see this player in person that you've been recruiting for six months, 12 months, 18 months, and you literally can't be in two places at once. They have to figure out a way to fix that. Um, and just like Musk told me, I think I shared it with you on the podcast, uh, he said he took more time fielding calls and texts from transfers than he did to prepare for Gonzaga for the Sweet 16. That's outrageous. And he, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you can, you can, you can share that on the record. I'm like, what? Well, I, I had a- on transfers and preparing for your Sweet 16 game? And then they wound up winning anyway. But that's a that's I, that's a I had I had another SEC coach tell me he worked harder in April than he worked in March. Worked harder in April than he did in February. I believe it. Yes, yeah. I mean, I mean like, we're, you know, we're not here to bemoan on the half, right, half of coaches right. to get paid yeah. well, but I'm just trying to relate the yeah. Like everybody hates the calendar. What one coach told me is they need a shutdown period, not a dead period. That's going to happen apparently. Like a shutdown yes, period, like nothing, nothing. You can't call. You can't text. You can't have anybody on campus. You can't be on the road. Like, if you do any of these things, you are violating rules. There has to be a shutdown period because, again, not to feel sorry for these multimillionaires, but it is, you know, an issue. Like, I had one coach tell me he bought a condo at the beach. Um, it's poor dude. I know. No, like, I, I, I we, all, we, we all acknowledge. I'm just leaning into the bit. Yeah, right. right. We all acknowledge. Hey, stop. You know, you're you're multi, you, his third piece of property. You're, you're making, you know, two point eight million dollars per year. And nobody's going to actually feel sorry for you. Nope. But this coach said, I bought a condo at the beach. I can't even relax at my condo on the beach. No. Without <laughs> taking text messages. Seventeen year olds. I'm no, just, I'm just able to live my life. I'm just relaying the story. All right. He said, I bought a condo at the beach within like last year. I've been there once. And that was within the past few weeks. And the entire time I was on the phone. And I said, man, that is, that is horrible. <laughs> no, but it does suck. I don't even get to talk to my housekeeper. You don't realize how busy I am. <laughs> Do you understand? It is like, I get it. But like, once you get past the fact that it's, multi-millionaires complaining what you if you could ever set that aside it would kind of suck to have a beach house and never be able to enjoy it you know what hey so i was talking to another coach the other day and he said you know i'm so busy i can't even drive my lamborghini 
And then I was on the phone with another coach and he was like, you wouldn't believe how much time I had to spend on Zoom when I was on my yacht <laughs> off the coast of Spain. <laughs> this one guy was telling me one time, he's like, they pay for three they pay for, for three different country club memberships for me. I haven't even been to two of them. I haven't even been to two of these things, man. Yeah. I, I, I try and get there. Uh, this, this is just no shot. Nothing. Can't, can't make it happen. No. It's funny. They're, now, they're, they're viable gripes on their own, relatively speaking. But, yes, it's, it's all too good. Uh, last thing here as we wrap up on the, on the players. We can, we can bash on coaches all day long, really. Um, TCU, huge winner. Damian Ball is back. Whole starting five is back. Watch out for the Frogs. Made the tournament last season. Had a humongously entertaining, awesome game that they lost uh, against. Against uh, why is this person texting me here? We good? It's a random text. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> someone texted me. Remember Michael? This actually relates to college basketball. Michael Avenatti apparently just broke with the AP. Michael Avenatti, remember his whole deal with? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's four year prison term for defrauding Stormy Daniels, porn actor he represented in battles with Trump. I, I, it's a tough deal. Uh, person texting me this, and I, I I appreciate the update there, but um, I do you ever get frustrated when people send you stuff that you obviously have seen? No. Like, like how do they know I've seen it? I don't know. Well, like it could be, like something. Let Let's say, God forbid, there was another school shooting today, and like it was happening. Thirty minutes. Person, sorry, I know why the person sent this to me because it's an inside joke. Continue. Anyway, it, it, like it, it's happening thirty minutes to go, and it's like all over television and all over social media. And then somebody will be, somebody will text me and be like, "So did you hear about this shooting? What? How could I not have heard about this shooting?" These are people that live normal lives, like my wife. She doesn't use Twitter, so like I'll find out something that happens at like you know one o'clock in the afternoon, and then at dinner that night she'll bring it up. I'll be like. She'll be like, did you? I, I was just told. I was like, yeah, yeah, no. I just, you know, I saw it. Yeah. My wife, my wife actually does that sometimes too. Yeah. She'll, it'll be like, um, I don't know, uh, some celebrity, you know, uh, like Kim Kardashian filed for divorce, and it's all over everywhere, right? I mean, you like if you're on your computer, you. Can't, I actually, to be honest, that won't flare my radar. Maybe if you retweet it into my feed or something, but no, that's yeah. not gonna hit my radar. Did that happen? Other than Kanye, has she gotten remarried again? I couldn't even tell you. Are you? Are you I don't pay attention to that stuff. Are you being serious right I'm now? I'm being. Uh, I know dating, that, I know that Kardashian is dating the drummer from Blink 182. Married. They're married. Okay, so I know that's the case, dude. I, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to any of that. You stuff. don't know that Kim Kardashian is dating Pete Davidson. You're not aware. That of I that. do know. So now that you remind me, <laughs> I do know that. Yes, I, I'm aware. But if you had told me that she was married to him, I would have been like, that doesn't surprise me, but I didn't even know that happened. Okay, trivia time. Oh, boy. This is what we're doing? Okay. Who is Kendall Jenner dating? I couldn't, like, I can't even, I'm, this is not a bit. I cannot tell you. You need to give me a hint, and then maybe I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember maybe seeing that once. He's Don't a bas- he's a ba- remotely a, a clue. NBA player. Kendall Jenner is dating an NBA player. Yes. You're not even, you're not, oh, gosh. This is not crazy to me. me it. I had no idea that she's dating Devin Booker. Yes, she dated, this is crazy Not, to me. No idea. Who is Kylie Jenner dating? Dude, come you, on. All right, no, don't spoil this one for me, Nada. He texted me the answer. You knew, you knew he was he was right on it. By the way, it is we so. Almost, we, know we lost Nada on this podcast. By the can we we just breeze by that? 
It we is. thought we lost the man 30 minutes ago. I can't overstate how wild it is to me that you don't know this stuff. Okay. Um, I just don't. I don't. Not, not only do I know what, who Kylie Jenner is dating, I know everything they do. Yeah, no. Uh, is, is that a good thing? Oh, probably not. But I know okay. everything about <laughs> these people. All right. Um, Kylie Jenner. Uh, give me a genre. Uh, what is, what's the occupation of the person? What do they do? He's a hip-hop star. Okay. Uh, it's Kylie Jenner, a hip-hop star. Um, is it one of, like, the five to ten most famous hip-hop stars? He's, yeah, I would just say so. I mean, I couldn't even venture a guess. Like, I don't even... I, I couldn't... Uh, a hip-hop star that's... Like, I know... She's not dating Kendrick Lamar. So I know that's not the answer. That's right. She's not dating Kendrick Lamar. Um, Kendrick Lamar is dating Whitney. Don't know who Whitney is. It's just the mother of his children. Okay. <laughs> that, good for Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Um, I actually got to that record. I don't like I, it as much as... I like, I like it, it, but... I like it. I don't like it as much as, as to pimp and damn. Um, give me the answer. I don't even know it. Travis Scott. Nah, wouldn't have wouldn't have gotten there. Would not have gotten there. They have two children together. Do they really? Yes. Whew. Not big on Travis Scott. Not big on Travis Scott. Give me, you got another one for me? Um who was Chloe Kardashian married to? That's Lamar Odom, right? Okay, she was married to Lamar Odom. Who did Boom. she date? Who did she have a baby with? It was another NBA player, right? That's right. Uh Give me, give me a conference. He played college basketball in what? the Big. Oh, is this going to give it away too easily? No, he played college basketball in the Big Twelve. PJ Tucker. Just kidding. Like my wife would, I and mean, maybe that makes sense. I was going to say my wife would know this, but like she would know it because she follows this stuff. Uh, Kevin Durant. Just kidding. Um, Khloe Kardashian, Big Twelve player. That's Mario Chalmers. She does not have a baby with Mario Chalmers. Cole Aldrich. Jeff Withy. Yes. <laughs> Let's think of Big 12 players. Cole Kardashian could have a baby with. Uh, Epe Udo. Going down the line. Um, ah, I see in the chat. That's right. Tristan Thompson. I knew that. Yeah, but I knew that. That's, 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 not a, that's not as fun as naming... <laughs> Big 12 players, Khloe Kardashian could have a baby with. Let's, let's see. Um, Bring up your Baylor list, man. <laughs> um, I, I regret she actually has a baby with. I'm looking for names now. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, no, he couldn't. She, had, she, had, couldn't. a lot of people don't know she has a baby with Rodney Magruder. Yeah, no, Magruder <laughs> off the top of the dome 45 seconds ago would have been better if you could have, if you could have pulled it out there, you know. Give us a little Devin Ebanks action, you know, West Virginia player or whatever. I don't know. Ebanks might have actually been in the Big East, but yeah, something something along those lines, you know. Pluck a pluck a pluck an Oklahoma dude from from not so long ago. Yeah, you know? she has a. A lot of people don't Ryan realize Spangler. this. She has a baby with Javon Carter. This is where we've landed. This is where we've landed. I was trying. Speaking of the Big Twelve, TCU was a winner. 
whatever. Harrison Ingram's back at Stanford. UC, USC got Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson back in Kansas on the Big 12 note. It's getting Kevin McCuller and Jalen Wilson back. You want a couple of actual viable preseason All-American candidates. McCuller, Wilson, McCuller, a transfer from Texas Tech. A Texas Tech fan base is going to hate everyone in that conference. They probably already do, but everyone's leaving this to go elsewhere in the league. Oh, <laughs> Right there with Arkansas fans, Texas yeah. Tech fans wildly offended that I do not have the Red Raiders in the top 25 and one. Mm. They said they retweet the top 25 and one. This is what they say. <laughs> Show me. You tell me you tell me you don't watch college basketball without, without telling, telling. <laughs> without telling me you don't watch college basketball. Like Texas you, Tech fans. Fardaz Amac, Big 12 player of the year. I think I'm going to drive that bus. So you got that from me at least. Tech fans really upset. They they do they they can't imagine me being any dumber than not having the Red Raiders in the top twenty-five and one. I mean, you could reasonably have them in, but it's not crazy to not have them in. It's not. They think it is. Let's get out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck, Larnell, all the Jenners, and all the Kardashians. If you're not subscribed to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, please go. Subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. At Apple, got to leave a nice comment. Got to leave. My a nice wife comment. has mentioned to me before. She's like the Pete Davidson thing absolutely vexes me. I don't get it. I don't know, dude. I don't understand what people don't get about Pete Davidson. Let me run you through it real quick. Oh no! Why did I have to say something? Why? Why did I? Because well, people, people. people <laughs> well, my wife has been like, "What's with Pete Davidson?" Adi said, know, Chloe, "Why are you asking me?" Adi, Adi tweeted that uh, or, or commented. Chloe Kardashian has a baby with Craig Brackens. <laughs> Craig Brackens is a good one. It's a good one. Pete Dude, Davidson. Just name dudes, right? Just Pete name Davidson dudes. is tall, thin, good looking. He is famous, wealthy, self deprecating, and that's that's a great place to start the list. What like I don't understand why people think it's crazy that Pete Davidson gets all these women. Like what what is I, I, I'm just giving it a, a female's perspective. She doesn't see the appeal whatsoever. And, and and every time people say, hey, I don't see how Pete Davidson gets these women. You know what he says? I don't either. It's wild. <laughs> when, he, when he was dating Ariana Grande, he was on with Howard Stern. No idea that was a thing. Again. What? How do you Didn't not know? know? Pete Davidson know. Was, was, engaged, know. was engaged to Ariana Grande. He was engaged to Ariana Grande? For like a week. But yes. Definitely. And so Howard Stern was kind of doing the same thing. Like, man, look at you. How do you do it? And he's like, listen, I don't know, man. It's like, I feel like I won a contest or something. Like, like I won a contest, and if you won it, you got to date Ariana Grande. So here I am. That's the only thing that makes sense. I totally understand the Pete Davidson thing. It, it, it makes the most sense to me. I don't know why. I don't know why that's hard for people to understand. We can probably wrap it here. There's more of us than there are of them. And Pete Davidson is one of us. For sure. I think that's been established. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.
Fabio VIP Pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.